The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. The United States can never default on its legal obligations. To do so would have catastrophic economic consequences. We've been way too over-reliant on foreign markets. People want to create U.S. jobs. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top name. The Fed, under Powell's leadership, has basically shown the banks the test in advance. Mobilizing the business community is a really good thing to do, yes. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. There are reports of unrealized gains on Capitol Hill in the hunt for an agreement. Senator Joe Manchin himself predicting a vote on infrastructure tomorrow, while Speaker Nancy Pelosi says Democrats have reached a decision point. The drama, even as big questions remain over how to pay for it all, in this hour we'll take a deep dive with Congresswoman Susan Delbene, a moderate Democrat from Washington State who met with President Biden in one of the big family meetings last week, and we'll also be joined by Grover Norquist, the president of Americans for Tax Reform, in just a moment. Our panel today is a classic Bloomberg Politics contributors. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us to help make sense of everything we know this hour. Back here in the bubble, we are hearing once again that Democrats are nearing an agreement on the president's spending plan, which would, of course, unlock a vote on infrastructure. And I know it feels like we've been here before, but Senator Joe Manchin got things going this morning. You probably heard about it. You might have watched it. Sat down for a very newsy conversation, a little breakfast with David Rubenstein, co-founder of the Carlisle Group and host, of course, of Peer to Peer here on Bloomberg. Listen to Senator Manchin. I sure do think that there's a high probability that's going to happen. And I think that basically this infrastructure bill, the bi- we'll call it the BIF, the BIF bill we all refer to as the bipartisan infrastructure bill. But the BIF bill... I think, and, and Debbie would be able to tell me better than, than anybody here, I would like to hope it passes Wednesday evening. The president needs to take something with it by the end of the week. Biff Bill, Wednesday evening. Framework by the end of the week. Manchin says he's keeping options open on the final price tag. Then Speaker Nancy Pelosi emerged from a caucus meeting saying Democrats are at a decision point because, well, there's not that much more time. Wanted it done by the weekend transportation funding, president's trip. And we heard from the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who emerged from his caucus meeting to say they are closer than they were yesterday. Here he is. We're still working, and we are closer uh, to reaching a final agreement on President Biden's Build Back Better plan. Okay, so it could happen as soon as tomorrow, or not. They have to find agreements on expanding Medicare, if at all, on the duration of the child tax credit, on paid leave, and on climate. Those are the big ones, at least. There are others. And then, of course, there's how to pay for it. As we told you, all signs are pointing now to a billionaire's tax, a tax on unrealized gains, paired with a minimum corporate tax to replace the planned hike in the corporate tax rate, the capital gains tax. This is where some people start getting a popsicle headache. And so we thought we'd call Grover Norquist today, the longtime president 
of Americans for Tax Reform. Talk us through this, and he joins us now. Grover, welcome back to Bloomberg. Is a tax on unrealized gains <clears throat> constitutional? Uh, probably not, because the Constitution had to be amended to tax income, uh, and uh, unrealized capital gains are not income. That's why they're unrealized. They're, yeah. they're not income. The, the value of your house goes up, uh, but you don't have the cash. The value of your farm goes up, but you don't have any cash to to pay uh, any tax for it. The value of stocks go up, but stocks go down as well as going up. Uh, there was something like this. It was called, they eliminated uh, back in the, the mid uh, uh, 2000s, I'm uh, sorry, mid 90s, uh, just before uh, Carter came in. They got rid of the step up in basis, which was there to stop this from happening at death. Just uh, pick up where you were in the mid 70s there. If a tax yeah. on unrealized gains is not an income tax, would that also make the surtax on millionaires a problem? Well, no. If you, it's just an income tax. I mean, they can call it a surtax if they want. It's just a tax. It's a Fine. tax on income, on real income. That would be constitutional. Uh, I mean, one of the challenges is the Democrats had a series of tax increases that they've dropped. They were going to get rid of the stuff up in basis, the thing they put in 100 years ago to save family farms. That became very unpopular with small businessmen, self-employed uh, people, and that was dropped out of the House bill. They were going to raise taxes by looking at everybody's uh, bank accounts uh, mm-hmm. or all the small businesses that had $600 checks or $10,000 in the course of the year. Uh, that the president of the United States yesterday, according to Manchin, said is ridiculous and won't be in the package. And now people like Chris, the congressman from Florida who's running for governor, before Biden gave him permission to say to heck with uh, ending bank privacy in order to collect more taxes from small businesses – he said, I'm not in on this. Well, if he took an ollie ollie in for you can imagine everybody else goes, if I'm running for statewide office or I'm running in a moderate district. Grover Norquist, I'd say we bring in the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Uh, hopefully everybody's line holds up here. Rick, what do you make of this conversation? Because if we're talking about the constitutionality of a, of a major component here, the, the pay for on this what could be $2 trillion deal, how does that get past the parliamentarian? How does that become a law? Well, I don't think it's so much the parliamentarian's role to uh, opine on uh, no? on this, but it'll be challenged in court, right? And this will be taken out uh, in the courts. But at the end of the day, you really wonder whether this is a legitimate attempt to find revenue for this bill or or just a way to play politics with the tax uh, code. Because mm-hmm. when you really think about it, okay, 10 people are going to give us half of this. Does anybody really want to go out and defend Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Larry Page and Sergey Brin? I mean, like these guys are you know floating around in their massive yachts and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Spaceships. It, it, it seems almost like a political stunt. And, and, and by the way, what's the harm, right? Oh, the government just writes a check if this tax doesn't make it all the way through. Well, you know, what Democrat doesn't want the government to write a check anyway? So are you talking deficit spending a check? Yeah, or, yeah. absolutely. Big government check, you know. Well, is uh, that how you see this ending? Yeah, I think this is one of these things where they uh, everyone stands shoulder to shoulder, say, oh, yeah, we're going to tax the billionaires. And then it, it falls through the cracks because it's actually not legal. And uh, and and frankly, very hard to actually implement. I mean, how yeah. do you actually uh, make this work? And nobody's figured that out, from what I can tell. And Bring us in off the ledge here, uh, Jeannie. Is this, could this become part of the law? And is it is it good policy? 
I think it is highly questionable. And I have to say that, yes, everybody, Democrat or Republican, people are fine going after the 10 wealthiest people in the country, these billionaires, and having them pay for things. But let's go back to what this was supposed to be. People yeah. like Richie Neal and others on Ways and Means, they wrote legislation. It was raising the corporate tax, you know, to, to what, you know, most people thought it should be, you know, around 25%, even lower than the 28% they had talked about. Mm -hmm. It was raising the marginal tax rates. It was capital gains. That's what Democrats had been told was going to happen. And it's just mansion and cinema why it's not happening, and right? And that, that, that's absolutely right. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that I think, you know, the fact that we're hearing Manchin say we could, you know, have this in place by Wednesday, Friday, you know, Nancy Pelosi, people optimistic. We're still talking about the pay fors and you're going to pay for a bill this big by doing a billionaire's tax, which most thinking people agree is highly questionable in terms of its constitutionality. That's a big, big problem. So then it becomes deficit spending to Rick's point, Jeannie, or no? It, it does become deficit spending, and that's absolutely what they promised would not happen. The The promise here was this would be paid for in a sensible and reasonable way. And so, you it you know, to me, the unconstitutional aspect of this, and again, that's, you know, we don't know yet, but to Rick's point, this will find its way into court. And by the way, while it's there, what's going to happen, they're going to be writing checks, adding to the deficit. This is precisely what they promised wouldn't happen and i'm surprised more people you know we don't we haven't seen the legislation yet wouldn't be frustrated if this is where they head with this well then there's no victory parade right because wasn't that the promise rick that this thing is i'll say i won't say that it doesn't cost anything or whatever the line was but that it was paid for well you know this is exactly the same tactic they used on 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 trying to uh fix the problem that was uh happening with uh with uh, rental uh uh uh, issues uh, earlier in the administration where the eviction the evictions yeah. and and the president said oh well I'll just sign this uh, letter and what did the Supreme Court do say well we told you once it was illegal and now we're telling you <laughs> twice it's illegal <laughs> and then they said oh okay well we'll see if we get round two on that Rick and Jeannie with us for the hour on Bloomberg sound on as we make our way through a Tuesday waiting for a deal a check on the markets and traffic to help you get home straight ahead. Stay here. I'm Joe Matthew. And this is Bloomberg. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. We've got our green visors on today as we try to figure out the tax policy behind infrastructure and reconciliation and i can throw another log on the fire i'll tell you it's amazing washington is amazing and by that i mean predictable as i look at my email right in the flow during the show here a news release hits widen warren king proposal on corporate minimum tax this is the other part of what i wanted to talk about this goes along with the billionaire's tax to pay for the reconciliation plan right and here i see it a proposal, an updated one, announcing an updated proposal to prevent the biggest, it says, and most profitable corporations from paying nothing in federal taxes. This is what it's come to. For your sake, good for you. I had a minute to read through this during the break because it is not until the eighth paragraph that you get to the actual news. The corporate profits minimum tax would ensure companies that report over a billion dollars in profits to shareholders pay at least a 15% tax rate 
on those quote-unquote gigantic profits, it says here in the release. And so we reassemble the panel. Rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour. Where are we on this one, Jeannie? You add minimum corporate tax rate instead of a, a higher corporate tax rate, and you do it just in time for President Biden to go abroad because this is something that's being done internationally. Is that a political win? Can he say, hey, look, we did it too? Yeah, he can't say they've done it until it's actually signed, sealed, and delivered. Right. But, but well, you know, our favorite <laughs> word, Jeannie, a framework. A framework. You know, it has come to that. The United States, we have the president of the United States going out to the world and talking about frameworks versus actual legislation. But yes, <laughs> they will tout it as a win if it's the best that they can get. I mean, it's critically important as, you know, our Treasury Secretary has been working very hard on this issue of a minimum corporate minimum tax around yes. the world. And so, you know, to have the important support of Congress is critical. But that's the question here. Is this just Ron Wyden at all? Or do they actually have the support of everybody they need to get this through? We don't know that until this thing passes and the president signs it. And then another day goes by. We find somebody doesn't like something. We're on to the next week. <laughs> where we're talking about maybe getting close to a deal. But let's say this flies. I'm curious, Rick, if Republicans have an allergy to higher taxes, is is a, a minimum corporate rate better than a higher corporate tax rate? Well, a lower corporate tax rate is always better than a higher <laughs> corporate tax rate. Yes, I Thank think the Republicans the right would, would actually be very comfortable with the idea that he's 15%. going to actually take it down lower. Now, there's still going to be the corporate tax rate. What this yes, would of be would be in line with the um, the. This the would keep 200 companies from cheating taxes, basically, this, right? This would be, keep 200 p- companies that would guarantee a minimum tax. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I don't think I would say a company that doesn't pay taxes is cheating because these are all the laws that are already on the books that they're adhering to. But um, but this would actually cut out, I assume, some of those uh, 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 options that they have and, and take away those options and create a floor. Uh, now, I mean, I, I do think this just speaks very loudly about an old bugaboo that John McCain used to have, which he'd scream all the time, regular order, regular order. <laughs> and regular order means to actually go through committees of jurisdiction who have experts at tax policy, for instance, Senate Finance Committee, Ways and Means in the House, and have them hold hearings and do studies and actually get a very thoughtful approach to writing our tax code, except that that's not what's happening. Maybe debate it, vote on it. You know, we'll be lucky to even know what's what's going to be approved uh, for about a week until after it's actually been signed into law. So I I think this process is turning into a joke. I think that the Democrats are about to come up with a plan that they have no idea what impact it's going to have on the American public, our institutions, our companies, the legal system. And this is just going to be a scrambled mess for the next year. We're going to tackle this plan coming up. The good thing is this is the fastest hour in politics because we're getting tired of waiting. Are you close to a done deal? No, no problems. All done. (laughs) We'll take as long as it takes. I mean, if it takes a couple of days, that's great. If it takes a couple of weeks, that's great. So tired, tired of waiting, tired of waiting for you. I wouldn't say it's... Impatience, I would say it's uh, an interest in moving forward. Tired of waiting, tired of waiting for you. We have 90% of the bill agreed to and written. We just have some of the last uh, decisions to be made. Are you close to a deal? 
I think so. You know, look, I've been a, I was a senator for 370 years. <laughs> and, uh, the president's been doing this a while, 36 years in the Senate, with all due respect. It's your life, and you can do what you want. We had a very spirited discussion at our um, lunch, passionate, strong, and there was universal, universal agreement in that room that we have to come to an agreement, and we got to get it done, and want to get it done this week. It's more of an ongoing conversation than it is a passing back of dramatic paper every couple of days. We're almost to the stretch. We've rounded the turn. No one ever said passing transformational legislation like this would be easy. You all never believed from the beginning that ever get anything done. I think we'll get a deal. I mean, is it just me? I know it's not. We wait. We tire. There could be a deal. Maybe even a vote tomorrow. So let's talk about what would be inside this thing if it actually gets that far with Rick and Jeannie next on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. The headline on the terminal, Cinema backs corporate minimum tax as part of Biden agenda. So there's one. The senator from Arizona is a yes. How about the rest and what's inside? We'll talk about that ahead with the panel Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Chanzano and Rick Davis with us for the hour. Then our conversation with Congresswoman Susan Del Bene of Washington State, only here on Sound On. Thanks for spending part of your Tuesday with us here on Bloomberg Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. We're spending time with the panel after a fascinating conversation today with Senator Joe Manchin. And before we even get that far, again, uh, the update here on the corporate minimum tax. It appears that Senator Kirsten Cinema is on board, so maybe we're getting somewhere. Jeannie Shanzano, Rick Davis are with us. Jeannie, I don't know if you had a chance to watch or listen to this Joe Manchin interview with David Rubenstein. It was fascinating. I actually, I was missing appointments. I'm, you know, sitting here watching this breakfast go on. I can't believe that we're finally hearing from the man and getting some news here. And he, he talked about a couple of different components uh, of this this whole debate, beginning with, as we said, he thinks there'll be an infrastructure vote tomorrow. So why don't we start there? Do you think that's a realistic expectation? You know, it, it, I, I, I'm, I'm chuckling because that piece that you played brought back so many memories. And, it's, <laughs> and I think we're all, you know, at least I am so much older. Remember, it was infrastructure, spring, summer. And, <laughs> and, and Joe Matthew, it makes me chuckle that you, you spend your days listening to Joe Manchin talk about infrastructure. And Joe Texas. Manchin and the kinks. That's my life right there. <laughs> That sums it up. You know, I I think, you know, he's optimistic in in my read that they that they would get a vote at this point. I think the real people to watch on this are the Democrats, particularly the progressives in the House. Are they willing to sign off on what is just a framework as we keep hearing? You know, 
a Jayapal said at one point that that wouldn't be enough and you yeah. really cannot blame them. You know, just look at this billionaire tax proposal they're talking about. These Democrats are being asked to sign off on something. They haven't even seen the language of it yet, let alone done all the things that Rick was talking about through regular process, like, you know, hearing from experts, you know, looking at reports, seeing how this might impact the American public. So, you know, the fact that we're still talking about pay fors at this point, let alone being able to look at language makes me very skeptical we will get a vote. You know, hopefully he's right. I, I would love to see a vote, but I, I, I'm really watching to hear what the progressives say and whether they're mm-hmm. willing to go along with this. There's clearly a lot of moving parts here, but Rick, when I heard Joe Manchin say that, I, I said to myself, I'm alone in the studio talking to myself frequently, and I said, that's what Rick Davis said last night. You still think well, so? Yeah. I Look, uh, you would have been more right than wrong if you'd have just taken the Joe Manchin line through this entire process. <laughs> well, right. Look back to the memo trillion? as you remind us. Was it going to be three and a half trillion? Was it, didn't even get to be two trillion, right? It's right back to that memo that Joe Manchin signed back in July with Chuck Schumer. And that looks like pretty much the outcome that you're going to get. I mean, some of these uh, ways of, of financing this, this, this beast are changing. But uh, but Joe Manchin, look, he's got the backing of the entire Republican caucus and him. And that gives him an enormous amount of power. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, look, I think I think that the, it was prescient to have that interview this morning, because obviously so many of these things are coming together right at the very end. Even as we're talking on this show, uh, this this process is coming to a conclusion. So yes, whether it's yeah. voted on <laughs> Thursday or you know Friday, it doesn't really matter by Monday. Hopefully, we're not talking about BBBs and BIFs and everything else that we've <laughs> we'll been talking about. see about that. God knows that would be uh, a miracle. Uh, I was taken by his comments on the filibuster. And, and, and by maybe, you know, he was talking about the filibuster. I was taken by what he said about working together as kind of a byproduct here. And it reminds me of everyone walking around looking at their phones, you know, in the world. They've got their own version of that on Capitol Hill. Listen to Joe Manchin. If you're not going to talk and communicate, then the easy way to do get rid of the filibuster. That's easy. Sure. All this is easy. Would you be in favor of eliminating the debt limit? Just get rid of it because... The debt limit should be done this way. The debt limit should be 14th Amendment, but the president has the right to make that decision. We have the right to override if we think he went too far. That, to me, is the simplest. It takes all the politicians out of him making a deal. He got into the debt limit there. We're talking about uh, something else there, Rick, but... He was making the point that people don't walk up to each other on the floor. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Jeannie. People don't talk to each other in the chamber. How would you ever expect them to get anything done? And look, you can call them old-fashioned, but at a time like this, when we're so tired of waiting, it does seem to make sense. It, it does. And, and, you know, that's how deals are made. And that's how they historically have always been made. People come together, they compromise, they bargain. It's not mm-hmm. pretty. It's not nice to watch, but they've got to talk to each other. And, you know, the problem here is that the talking is we're not even talking bipartisan. We're talking just Democrats are trying to talk now to push this through. And of course, the filibuster remains a real sticking point with Joe Manchin. And he does have a fair point. That is something that that if you get rid of Democrats, beware, because if Republicans take over, you may not be happy with what they're able to do with 50. That's the Senate that, that you used to work in, Rick Davis. People forget talking to you. They would yell at each other on the floor sometimes. 
Yeah, Joe, I, I, I know this is hard to believe, but some people think of me as old fashioned. And, <laughs> and, and, and I thought the worst thing that could ever happen on the floor of the Senate and the House was TV cameras, C-SPAN. Oh, wow. But, but allowing phones, and you know, which is basically a computer on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, makes, the, makes the advent of TV uh, look rudimentary. Uh, if, if you really want to return the, 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 the Congress to a place where uh, they talk to one another, yank the TVs and ban the phones, and all of a sudden there's nothing else to do but to talk to your fellow senator, fellow House member. Something might have happened by now. I don't, I don't mean to be too cute here. There are a lot of other reasons, including you know, the deep partisan divides that we have here, Jeannie, but maybe those wouldn't be so deep if people were actually taking part in the process a little bit here. If infrastructure is a stretch for tomorrow, does that mean there's no framework this week, Jeannie? I think we could get a framework this week. I am just still waiting to hear from what the progressives have to say about this. This is not just about Joe Manchin. The bipartisan infrastructure bill is about getting the progressives to go for a vote. And so far, we don't know if they will. Could Democrats let the president go abroad without a framework, Rick? Absolutely not. He will say goodbye to them, and they're going to have a package on that plane that he can announce it's going to make his trip more (laughs) successful Uh, than it currently is planned to be, which is probably a disaster in the works. Congresswoman Susan Del Bene of Washington State is up next. I'm Joe Matthew, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Democrats holding out hope for a vote on infrastructure tomorrow, Wednesday. Senator Joe Manchin, as you heard on Bloomberg, says that is his expectation As we keep hearing the leadership nearing a framework agreement on reconciliation that would allow that vote. So anything is possible, it seems, in the next 24, 48 hours as the president prepares to leave town. By the way, he's going to be stumping for Terry McAuliffe a little bit later on tonight and not far from where I'm sitting. Just hop over the Potomac River, Arlington, Virginia. Presidential visit on the campaign trail. Now, one of the Democratic members of the House who's been central to the negotiations is Representative Susan Del Bene of Washington State serves as vice chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, and she joins us now. Congresswoman, thank you for being here. You're chair of the New Democrat Coalition. We in the news media like to refer to you as a moderate in all capitals, as if that is its own party right now. Uh, I wonder if you see a vote happening on an infrastructure bill this week. What are you hearing? Well, I think we all want to make sure we get these bills across the finish line. And I think um, getting an infrastructure bill in place is very important. I think getting the reconciliation bill, the Build Back Better Act done, is equally important. So um, we want to make sure that we help our communities. The only way we help them is if we get bills through the House, the Senate, and to the president. Mm -hmm. So I think all of us are working hard to um, try to get the infrastructure bill through quickly and to make sure we have strong agreement on a Build Back Better agenda so we can get that through quickly as well. Bloomberg's Eric Wasson uh, tweets from Capitol Hill. Pramila Jayapal and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez 
are against voting on infrastructure until the House votes on reconciliation. Framework is not enough, they say. I wonder, Congresswoman, if, well, I guess, A, if, if you believe that's true, but, but, but I'm more interested to hear about the Groundhog Day. Do you read into this daily drip of commentary from all the members of your caucus, or do you see light at the end of the tunnel here, despite this, this kind of stare-off that moderates are having with, with progressives? Well, um, the New Dem Coalition is made up of 95 members, uh, 95 mm-hmm. House Democrats. Um, our focus is on getting things across the finish line. We know we don't help anyone until we get legislation passed. So we've always been very clear that we think the policy should drive the conversation, not the uh, not a particular number or necessarily a process, but making sure we have good, strong policy. And so the first most important thing for us on the Build Back Better or Reconciliation Bill is to make sure we're clear what the policy is. Um, we believe strongly in making sure we extend the child tax credit, um, that we keep the, uh, the, the ACA, the American um, Rescue Plan premium subsidies for health care that were put in place, that we address the Medicaid gap, that we go big on climate. Those have been our top priorities. Um, but it's been tough to get agreements on those, on though, right? Number. The scale of each policy and the duration for spending for each of those policies remains a sticking point. Well, I think that the other key tenet that we've had is that it's important to have um, to focus on a few things, do them well for longer, because we want stable, long term, durable policy that families mm-hmm. and communities can count on. So if people come with their priorities to the table, then that's how we put this legislation together. That's been our goal and focus. And I think that needs to continue to be the focus. A number doesn't help anyone. Um, what helps folks is the actual bill and telling them what we're going to do um, to help families. And that's why the focus has to be on the substance of the policy and where that conversation is right now is on the substance of the policy. There's been a lot of conversations about the pay-fors here. The how do you pay for this uh, over the past couple of days since the a higher corporate tax rate seemed to be uh, nixed from the plan? There's been a lot of talk about a possible billionaire's tax, about taxing unrealized gains, as I'm sure you well know, instead of the other rate hike. I just wonder if you're comfortable with that and do you feel like that's enforceable? Well, um, in the Ways and Means Committee on which I serve, we spent a lot of time putting together tax legislation, uh, Uh and I think we had a strong proposal. Now, um, there's been other discussions from the Senate, like you said, a proposed um, billionaire's tax, as folks are calling it. But we haven't seen the specific legislation, and I think it's important that we see specific legislation to say exactly what does someone mean um, when they talk about such a policy, how would it work, um, what are the details we have that detail behind all the work that we did in our committee on the House side. We need that detail from the Senate, and we're waiting for them to put that idea down on paper. Your uh, colleague on the Ways and Means Committee, Richard Neal, the chairman of Ways and Means, uh, is clearly in favor of the, the plan that you already hammered out. He said the, the, the plan that you had to, to hike the corporate tax rate and the capital gains tax rate is sounding better every day. So it sounds like there's still a pretty good debate to be had here. Well, we had a bill that we put together, went through committee, they had amendments to it. Um, I think folks have had a lot of visibility, so our ideas have been very well vetted. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's important when we're talking about tax policy, about how it will work, um, making sure you don't have unintended consequences. 
But um, we need more information to understand what other policy proposals might look like. And we're waiting for the Senate to provide that information. We certainly seem open minded. But is, is this just the business, Congresswoman, or do you feel like somebody pulled a rug out uh, from under you when you, you know, you hear about this in the halls of Congress or, or in the news media when you say, wait a minute, we had a plan? Well, we need 218 votes in the House and 50 votes in the Senate to pass it through. Um, That's what it takes. And so we've got to negotiate and get those votes to make it happen. But I think we've spent a lot of time putting together good ideas, good proposals to help us get across the finish line. We need everyone at the table to do that. And we're going to keep working hard to get there because we don't help anybody unless we get those bills done. We're talking with Congresswoman Susan Delbeni of Washington State, Democrat, serves as vice chair of the House Ways and Means Committee and is in the throes uh, of this debate. You must be living and and breathing it here. You were in one of the two meetings with President Biden last week that that really seemed to get things moving again. There was there was an energy that came uh, from that day. What was said in that room that made a difference? I think it was the really the time when we started talking about specifics. What are the actual proposals? Um, what are the specific policies we're going to have in a final bill? And that conversation around substance was incredibly um, positive for me because the only way we're actually going to land the plane on this legislation is to have those discussions about the specific policies, what's going to be in, what's a bill going to look like. And I knew we weren't getting close to the end until we started having those discussions. Having those specific discussions, we had senators in the room as well as um, the president and members of the House like myself. Um, That made me much more optimistic because we're having the conversations we need to have to get final legislation that can get 218 votes in the House, that can get 50 in the Senate, that we can get to the president's desk. And um, and that's really the mark that we're getting to a place where we can close this. Are you determined to to have a deal before the president leaves for Europe this weekend? Or is that kind of another self-imposed deadline that that you'd rather not focus on? Well, I think um, we've had a lot of time to discuss this. I think it's really important that we move quickly, uh, clearly on the on any new tax proposals, we're waiting for that, uh, for specifics that the Senate might be providing. Mm-hmm. But we've had a lot of discussions. I think we're at the point where people need to decide um, so we can get this done um, and get resources to the American people, get programs that will help us build back better. Um, and, you know, I represent a purple district in Washington State. There's one thing that folks want to see. They want to see governance work. They want to see us make these decisions, um, move forward, help our communities, and move on to address many other issues that we need to be talking about. Speaker Pelosi says Democrats are at a decision point. Uh, You know, a lot of people are hearing a lot of numbers. $1.5 trillion, $2 trillion, $150 billion here and and $50 billion there. When you talk about whatever that price tag is going to be, we're not going to arrive at that uh, in our conversation, obviously, today, but whatever that price tag is, how many years will that be spread across so people understand? Is that a big fat check you write at the beginning and then enjoy the benefits of these programs? Or is that going to be annualized over five or 10 years? Well, we look at a 10-year budget window when we um, talk about things, but mm-hmm. different programs may um, go across those 10 years. Some may be for part of it. This is all part of how, um, depending on the program, how things are crafted. 
And um, and I do think that it's important that we people have stability, can count on things. Uh, if we have short-term policies that might expire after a year, the, and then we assume they'll have to be renewed later, makes it harder for families to plan. Uh, means Congress has to take action again. So makes it easier to overturn. It makes it easier for something to go away. So yeah. it is important to, and I think something we've been pushing for. Make sure we do things well. Uh, we focus on things that can have an immediate impact for our communities, um, that can, that so that people can see that impact and can count on it, and um, and provide that long term visibility. I think so. That's you're in the do fewer things well families. camp. Forgive me do for interrupting. Well, for longer. Yes, for longer. Got it. Um, and and that's going to be an important part of whatever this next uh, 24 hours brings. How does this end, Congresswoman? Is is does the leadership going to hammer this out in a room tonight, or or what's going to take place? Well, we've had many different conversations going on, um, conversations with the president, conversations that we've had with our colleagues or between the House and the Senate. Um, but in the end, we have to decide what those final pieces are and understand um, where we have that support to get the two eighteen and yeah. in the House and the fifty in the Senate. So that's what we're working through now. Um, and so, folks, I think we've all provided lots of input and continue to provide input in the process. Um, and we do have to decide on what the final bill is going to look like. The decision point has arrived, as the speaker said. And thanks to Representative Susan Del Bene of Washington State, House Ways and Means, chair of the New Democrat Coalition, with a little peek behind the curtain for you there on Sound On. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. Maybe there'll be a deal. I'm Joe Matthew, and this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.